1: Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com.
2: Welcome in. Another day, another dollar. Rob Black bringing you a podcast, investment news, and much, much more. Trying to get you to retirement trying to explain and show you some of the things that we've done right and wrong since childhood and adulthood as we start down the 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 final stretch one of the things that everyone in my family did was distance run they're all pretty good at it too we do 10ks as a family and you really learned mile per mile quarter of a mile per quarter of a mile, you got good at looking at the end. You got good at understanding, is it going to be a good day for all six miles or is it going to be burned out at the end, which is always just a great feeling to end strong? Investing I think, very similar. Maybe too much of an analogy for you that doesn't work, but it works for me. billion doses of the COVID vaccine have been administered across 184 countries. Exactly one year ago today, a grandmother in the United Kingdom became the first person in the world to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. 60% of the U.S. population is completely vaccinated. Only 6.3% of people in low-income countries have received at least one dose. That is going to be, I, I think, one of the linchpins that we come out of this and go, next pandemic, we got to figure out how to do this faster to more people, to stop the mutations, or to severely cut death, or spread the wealth that the United States has. 60% of American population fully vaccinated, only 6.3% of people in low-income countries. <clears throat> Omicron, cool, who? who dat? Fed starting tapering, what that, what that, what that? Wall Street doesn't care right now. We're just roaring. We came out of Thanksgiving, maybe a little drunk, maybe a little hungover, and we decided let's send this market to new highs. Congress had a busy evening last night. Lawmakers reached a deal to raise the country's debt ceiling, and the House passed a $768 billion defense policy bill. Now throw down some predictions for 2022 in the next segment or the final segment today. I'm not quite sure. 800 516 1220 each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Starbucks is having some issues. It's starting to get national attention. Senator Bernie Sanders is involved, trying to get labor to basically become a union. I don't know how I feel about turning the Teamsters into Steamsters. Um... Early on in my career, I would say things along the lines of Wall Street doesn't like unions. That's the difference between Tesla and GM and Ford. GM and Ford have heavy unions. Unions fight for everything they can tooth and nail for their employees or for their team members. Good retirement packages, good pay, safe conditions. No sexual harassment, anti-sexual harassment training, things like that. It all costs money. And as a young man, I I was brash enough to say, Wall Street likes profits. They don't really like unions. Just 10.8% of the United States workforce belonged to a union in 2020. Corporations prefer it that way. Kellogg's, one of several U.S. companies to face a strike from unionized employees in recent months, said that it would permanently replace striking workers. There's kind of a clash going on there. I grew up in an era where Ronald Reagan kind of broke air traffic and said, if you want to strike, we're going to fire you and we're going to replace you. Too important not to. I think labor probably has an upper hand right now with COVID. So Howard Schultz, former CEO, has recently showed up in Buffalo, where union ballots were sent out. President of Starbucks North America, Roseanne Williams, visited a Buffalo location and started sweeping floors there to show she's part of a team member. So Buffalo may unionize. If they did, I might sell a position in Starbucks. If they did not, I might buy a position in Starbucks. In the end, I don't let my politics interfere with my investing. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds like I don't have a heart. I get it. I think you should be in the same kind of scenario of judging for yourself what you where you want to put your money. I don't want to tell you what to do. If you want to put your... Money in an environmentally, socially correct governance kind of company. I'm totally fine with that. 20 years ago, that was a bad idea. In the last 10 years, it's been a good idea. 20 years ago, if you said, yeah, this company hires as many women as men, they pay women as well as men. Some people would have say, that's not good for profits. They're not thinking profits. They're thinking, be socially responsible. 20 years ago, it was the Generation Xers and the Baby Boomers buying stocks. Now you got a lot more millennials and they care about that stuff. Take a look at the success of a product like Warby Parker. Millennials like to put their money where their conscience is. Yesterday, President Biden and President Russian President Vladimir Putin. I don't know if we should even call him a president because he's kind of a dictator. When you appoint yourself for life and your enemies start dying around you, you're probably a dictator. Russia has amassed over 100,000 troops at the Ukraine border. And this is one of those stories that could push oil higher. It could def- push defense spending higher. Long-term, no one thinks Russia is going to try to take over Ukraine. Short-term, they'll flex their muscle because that's all Putin is. He's a bully. Who has a short-term playbook and that's it to try to show his people how strong he is and how great he is. But that's a story that could explode in 2022. But it's almost obvious, right? And that's where it becomes a problem. Because no one said at the start of 2020, oh, there's going to be this great pandemic that's going to shut down the economy for two years or put a lid on it or put it in a jar or put it under a microscope or lead to supply chain issues. Russia and Ukraine have a huge history. Ukraine was a Soviet Republic until it gained independence in 1991. And in 2014, Russia annexed the country's Crimean Peninsula. 14,000 people have died in the conflict between the two countries since 2014. <clears throat> How will the West punch back? Biden says economic sanctions. He called Germany, he called all of American allies that he could yesterday. Interesting thing, because it's kind of a, <clears throat> maybe the Russian playbook here is challenge Biden during an election cycle. Is that what's going on? What's 2022 going to unfold like? Let's talk about that when we come back. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, invested more. Get it right here. Right back.
1: The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com.
0: Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com.
2: So one of the stories we haven't really talked a lot about this year is tech stocks have underperformed on the IPO level. And a lot of tech companies are down 20 to 50% from their all-time highs. I tend to overfocus on Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, because they're very mainstream. I introduce you to a company like Roku, and then I walk away and say, they're going to be acquired down the road. They have a good business, but a lot like a doorbell with a camera, a lot like a speaker that you can talk to. It's more of a vertical than an overall business. It's more of what can be added to a company. If Apple wanted to, become a player in streaming TV, you buy Roku. If Google wanted to become more of a player in streaming TV, you buy Roku. You've got an installed base of hundred million plus people. All tech companies are looking for that 1 billion, 1 trillion kind of number in the world. 1 billion people will get you to a 1 trillion business. So Roku stock is jumping today after a Google dispute ends with a long-term relationship. Does that hint to me that Google eventually buy Roku? Maybe. Visa's launching crypto advisory service in a mainstream push. The payment giant wants to help banks and retailers manage the crypto transition. Interesting. Amazon had a little bit of a boo-boo yesterday. An ouchie, if you will. A major outage at Amazon Web Services disrupted multiple online services and websites, including Disney+ and even though Amazon Lexus. Southwest Airlines is in the news. They've had good news on revenue and fuel costs. The airline said fourth quarter revenue will be down 10 to 15% versus the fourth quarter of 2019. So a pre-COVID comparison. Previous estimates were to be down 15 to 20%, so they're down 10 to 15. Slowly travel is coming back. Remember how I just talked a little bit about tech having problems in 2021 with IPOs and big tech companies underperforming the markets based on, we look at them and we go, hey, your valuation's weird. Stitch Fix had great earnings yesterday. Stock's been getting crushed though. That's a great example of tech that's not working. And again, if you're Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Apple, you don't notice that Big tech's not working. ChargePoint boosted their revenue guidance, but a wider loss sinks the stock. ChargePoint's one of those electric vehicle charging companies that I'm interested in because more and more charging vehicles are going to hit the road. More and more electrification is going to happen. A couple years ago, we'd go to a park and we'd say, what's that weird device? And you see a Tesla pull up and someone charged their car or a, or a Volt. The problem that I'm having with ChargePoint and EVgo is they're not very powerful charging stations. It's almost as if you go to a mall to shop. You could charge maybe 15 miles an hour, which is nice. If it took you 15 miles to get to the mall, but it's not going to charge your vehicle on a cross-country trip and I haven't figured out the business model of short charging versus long charging. Um, I do know that the electrical permits that go into a Tesla charging supercharging station have to be out of this world. So when you go to a Tesla supercharger and they can throw on 200 miles in an hour on your vehicle, 250, you're like, whoa, and then you go to a charge point or an EV go, charging station, and you're like, oh, it's going to be four to 15 miles in an hour. I'm not sure the business model's there, which, again, favors Tesla. I'm just talking. A couple things that I'm expecting in 2022, I think Trump's going to fold. I don't see any way in the world that he wants to run for president again. He's going to be 78 years old in 2024. I think right now he's just milking the American population for as much donations as he can. What happens if he folds? How does Congress play out in the 2022 election cycle? Maybe Trump doesn't even fold in 2022. Maybe it's 2023. He never appeared that he wanted to be president. He wanted to push his brand as a businessman by showing off his moxie. He accomplished that and much, much, much more. So I think he folds. Um, I think there's better business in complaining than there is in being president. I think there's more privacy in not being president than in being president. He's got a lot, a lot going on as far as investigations. And he's not in the clear yet. So I don't really see it. I could be wrong. China's going to be a big story in 2022. China clearly aims to challenge the United States as an economic and military superpower. They want to establish its first military base in the Atlantic, i.e. the United States backyard. China is far ahead of the United States as the key technologies of the future. They're dominated electric vehicles, solar panels, shipbuilding, pharmaceutical ingredients, semiconductor ingredients. They've developed alliances with lesser-known nations possessing vital minerals. If you go to Africa, the continent, and you just start um, looking at the relationships with governments, China's got better relationships than the United States does. But are they overreaching will be a big story in 2022. We saw them overreach with their real estate giant Evergrande. There could be some internal rot going on, if you know what I'm saying, as they try to expand. Expansion takes time. If you're going to be a better runner, a better athlete, you don't do it. If you're going to drop weight, you don't do it in like one month. You do it in a life. You do it in a year, two years, three years. You make a lifestyle change. And China's been pretty aggressive. 2022, I would not be surprised if we get a 20% correction stock market. But it probably won't be because of COVID. It'll be because of something else. It'll be because, in my guess, the Federal Reserve raises interest rates three times instead of two. That's 50% more than what's expected. That's a big number when I say 50%. If I were to say... You're gonna get a 50% off. If I were to say you're gonna gain 50% muscle, you'd be like, that's a lot. And the Fed's at a level where their tightening could be exponential, and exponential could equal a correction, which I would love. I'm not fearful of correction, no correction. 2022 could be a fascinating year for surpluses instead of shortages. As the supply chain starts to fix itself, retailers are placing orders extremely early that could lead to massive discounts. As people didn't have enough to sell in 2021, they may have too much to sell in 2022. And 2022 could be a year of abortion drama. Find me online at Rob Show, Twitter Rob Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show.
1: Find us at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com.
2: I always get stoked for Wednesdays. Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com graces me with an interview. In response, I share it on social media as does briefing.com. Briefing.com is a reliable source of domestic and international news that I've been using for 20 plus years. Pat, I've created wealth in my last 20 years of my own personal life, and I think your service is slightly accountable for some of that, as it keeps me intrigued on what's going on on Wall Street. Let's use that quick idea to a start here. Being intrigued on what's happening on Wall Street, the news, the stories, the drama, the CEOs, the sex, the death, the murder, the, the trillionaires being created for billionaires, billionaires being created for billionaires. Do you love what we do, or is, or is it just me?
3: <laughs> Hi, Rob. Well, first, hey. great to be back with you. Uh... and. <laughs> Secondly, um yes, I absolutely love what I do and I'm, um, you know, one of the lucky people out there who can uh, attest to loving their work. Um, I've been doing this for 25 years and you know, one of the great things about it is that there's there are so many different um uh, angles and perspectives and things to think about uh from one day to the next, uh one month to the next, one year to the next. Uh it just doesn't get dull and uh, it's it's exciting to try to synthesize it in a uh, understandable way for our, for our subscribers and, and hopefully for your listeners as well.
2: When I was a younger man, I loved the end of the year because it's, it was the time where businesses like ESPN would, you know, the plays of the year. We could do that maybe next week, maybe the week after. But one of the things I did earlier in this show was let's talk about next year and like maybe China's economy sputters a bit because we've already seen a little bit of a crack with the real estate business um perhaps we have a supply chain that suddenly is, is flush with materials versus being very, very tight because companies are getting smarter and orient ahead. Um, any predictions that you're working on for twenty twenty two that you want to share?
3: Well, yeah, you know, we will um probably not this Friday, but the following Friday put out a uh, you know, a look ahead to twenty twenty two as we as we do. However, just to, you know, certainly i Have been contemplating that, and I think one of the things that would be emphasized in that piece really is that, you know, 2022 um, it can still be a good year for the market. I I, I published a piece in the Big Picture column on Friday that this basically the title was, uh, you know, the um, the end of the party is just getting started, right? So, and that's because of the shift we saw on the part of Fed Chair Powell, uh-huh. um, and I think that um, you know maybe with that title might imply too strongly for some people is that it's, it's you know, time to bail out in droves now uh, because the Fed's now shifting to a, a less dovish policy. But I don't think that's really the case. I think that, you know, the market can tolerate rising interest rates. I mean, remember, we're at the zero bound. The Fed might, by the end of 2022, if Fed funds futures market predictions are, are calling it right, might be at 0.75% uh, by the end of 2022. So you're still looking at an extraordinarily low policy rate. Um, what will really uh, be the, um, uh, the focal point, though, is, is if the Fed has to get, you know, more aggressive. And uh, and then that's when you can see a, a faster rate of change in terms of market rates that creates some disruption. But if we allow for the possibility that we have a, a, a transition into 2022 that's managed well, both in terms of COVID and monetary policy uh, and job growth and and so on and so forth, earnings growth, um, you can still see it up here, even with interest rates moving up. Um, and uh, But the other component that will come out in that piece, I think, is just the idea that kind of what we've seen off the lows in 2020, what we've seen throughout 2021, there's been a, a chase, uh, an embrace for speculative growth plays, right? And that's why you've got stocks that don't make any money but trade at 30, 40 times sales. Uh, looking really good relative to those kind of lower growth companies that just, you know, uh, aren't seeing the same stock price appreciation that those companies have seen. And I think 2022 is going to be a year where you're really going to want to focus on companies that actually have earnings growth. may not be as sexy as what, you know, what you see in some other names, but, you know, good dependable earnings growth, good levels of free cash flow, you know, pay a dividend. those are the types of names that I think that are likely to uh, – To play out well for for good returns for investors in 2022.
2: On that note, there was a big media company yesterday that announced slowing numbers in broadband. I don't want to say the name. I looked at it as an investment idea based on the idea that it's got a 2% dividend yield. It's a big media company. It'll be around for years to come. But a little bit of slowing, it caused the stock to massively underperform. Is that going to be a theme of 2022 In your belief of people looking for value with a little bit of a dividend versus can Apple go from 2 trillion to 3 trillion? Um, can the big get bigger? Um, are we going that direction where we're starting to look, is that a good thing or is that a sign that we're overextended give me a little?
3: Well, I do think, yes, I do think that there'll be uh, more of a uh, an appreciation for names like that, that, um, okay. you know, offer good value, I think that you might also see some more appreciation for um, international markets. I mean, the U.S. has been such a hot place. Uh, Returns have just been so significant that just, I think, from a kind of a portfolio rebalancing standpoint, you know, there could be opportunities, you know, out there in terms of reallocating some assets, you know, into international markets, into value, as well as into small-cap stocks. Um, but one of the things that we might be confronted with next year too, though, as rates come up is that, um, you know, as worries about slower growth eventually being seen as a result of higher interest rates. So, so some of the growth names uh, are still going to be, you know, popular, but, but what we're emphasizing really is that you want to make sure you're, you're, you're buying growth at a reasonable price and not growth at any price. Buying growth at any price was the play in 2021 don't think that that's going to be the play in 2022. So you just have to, uh, and that's why, you know, names, uh, you're seeing names like the Microsoft and the Apple, they keep creeping higher here. I mean, Apple's approaching a near $3 trillion market capitalization, uh, partly because there's, uh, I think some faith in the idea that they'll have uh, some dependable earnings growth. And they're obviously just a massive cash generating machine uh, that can buy back a lot of stock uh, and also raise their dividend. Um, so, you know, there'll still be, I think, you know, an embrace of those names, but it just might might not be as aggressive as we've seen over the last, you know, 18 months or so.
2: Let's talk about today. Is there anything in the headline news, the economy, anything that we need to be paying attention to from your page one?
3: Well, maybe. Uh, you know, the, sure. The main headline, of course, was out of Pfizer this morning and just uh, their uh, revelation that some preliminary, preliminary lab studies have demonstrated that they are current vaccine in three doses is uh, basically, you know, neutralizes the effects of the Omicron variant. And uh, moreover, even a two-dose regimen still protects against severe disease. And that was really, you know, nice to hear, obviously. Um, You know, uh, of course, the the massive sell-off we saw on Black Friday was uh, driven in part by the concern that the Omicron variant would be able to evade current vaccines and that you would potentially see another shutdown of the global economy and disruption of supply chains. But it, that's not looking to be the case. A number of anecdotal reports in recent days uh, have been the um, precipitant for this huge bounce we've seen in the, over the last two sessions. So kind of what we're seeing today is a little bit more of a, a consolidation day, even though you've had that good news, because the market, I think, already priced in the, uh, the understanding that the Omicron variant might be, not be as bad as feared. Now, who knows, you know, a couple months, a couple weeks from now, maybe that that dynamic changes. But by all accounts, what we know at the moment, uh, the market's finding some reason to be confident in the notion that Omicron isn't going to be this pernicious economic force that it was thought to be on, on Black Friday. Um, so we wouldn't read too much into the fact that the market's not getting a lot out of the Pfizer news this morning because so much of it was priced in. And one thing I'd add real quickly is just Now, what you could potentially see, though, is the transition back to the shift in monetary policy. Um, We've had a few days of of a reprieve from the Omicron concerns, and now we have to keep an eye out. And the market will be keeping an eye out for uh, what the Fed is likely to do and the pace at which it's going to do it. And we'll learn a little bit more about that next week with the FOMC meeting.
2: It'll be mean, an interesting year to see how it unplays and unfolds for sure. People are a lot less afraid, like you said, two weeks later, and you're right, over Thanksgiving, me and my spouse talked about our Christmas travel plans, and we started saying maybe not a good idea, but <clears throat> I think as of last night, we're like, "Yeah, let's just do it. If we die, we die, and we're not afraid to go out in public, and it's just silly how we're changing back and forth and such a whim um twenty twenty two election year are you expecting politics to be a, a big part of our conversations in the next fifty two weeks?
3: Unfortunately, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I agree I think that, totally yeah. agree with you yeah they'll, right that'll factor in no doubt um but let's kind of let a sleeping dog lie for the time <laughs> time being, and you know we'll focus more on the, on the fed <laughs> at the moment and uh and the strong earnings growth that we're still seeing and still projected for the fourth quarter of this year. Uh, and moving into next year as well.
2: Anything else that you want to add that you're working on that we need to be aware of today as we wrap up the segment in the well, two minutes or less?
3: Sure. Um, you know, we're going to uh, take stock, obviously, of that consumer price index uh, release on Friday. Um, there's some chatter that it you know, might not uh, have an outsized impact, even if it's a hot number, just because the market's getting comfortable with the idea now that the Fed's going to be quickening in the uh, pace of its tapering purchases. But I still think that it's a number that you got to keep a close watch on, though, because it it will perhaps reinforce the notion that the Fed just was flat out wrong with its transitory inflation view. and. And we have to worry about the market going back into this fear mode. That the Fed's going to be playing catch up to help rein in inflation, and that could kind of, in turn, rein in some of the enthusiasm we've seen of late. So, keeping a close watch on that number come Friday. Thanks very much.
2: As always, I think I get you a couple more times before the year's over. I'm like always excited about it. Um, you can find briefing.com clearly at briefing.com. Um, great old website. I use it every single day. Start by page one. With Patrick O'Hare and I end my week with his big picture column. There's a whole staff that writes on the breaking news and the IPO markets and the tech markets and the big themes that go on, the economy, the economic outlook, the data points. It's all at briefing.com. It's a service I use and it's a service I can give a big thumbs up to. Find them online at briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Show. Com.
1: The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com.
2: So one of the things that I do on the show is I try to stay as consistent as possible. If you ask me about some of the personal stocks that I hold, I think you could figure them out pretty quickly. Um, like let's just play a game here. You know, what What does Rob talk about often on the show? Nike? Sure. So I'll take a look at Nike in 2021 versus 2020 and go, how did it do? Am I intrigued by the performance or not? This one, not really. It's gone from 140 to 170. That's a pretty nice move. Small little dividend yield along the way. Um, when it comes to exercise shoes and exercise clothes, I just... I feel like they're one of the three players, right? So I'll go down my list of other stocks that I own and I'll say, how do they do in 2021 versus 2022, uh, 2020? You know, I own Facebook. How's Facebook been for the last 12 months? If I'm looking for buy ideas, I'm looking at the last 12 months. In the last 12 months, it's gone from 270 to 330 with a short spot at 378. When it was at 378, Pretty attractive? No, it was, it was extended. I'm looking at the chart of the company. I'm looking at the valuation of the company. Um, oh, for I'm so sorry. Facebook, who's Facebook, you say? I only know a company that was formerly known as Facebook is now Meta. So Meta platforms, it's had a good year, not a great year. It's well off its highs. It's above its lows. And it's starting to get a PE that looks like a normal PE. Do I like it? Sure as valuation on a stock? Absolutely. Do I like it politically? Not a chance. Do I think they will get regulated at some point in time? I do. But will it be a kick the can down the road scenario that, that takes so long to play out that the damage will already have been done and the earnings will already have been made? Yeah. For the record, I used to own Philip Morris. My dad died of lung cancer. So one company I'm really interested at in 2022 is Disney. In large part, a lot is coming together that I think should work in their favor. Travel on a domestic level, vacations, traffic, traffic on an international level. Disney still has some some issues. They have too many people who work at ESPN. They've got too much business at ESPN. And that's tied towards old fashioned networks of get a company like Comcast to distribute your product, collect monthly revenues from every single user who has cable TV. Then every single user on cable TV looks at their bill and goes, why am I paying for ESPN when I don't watch sports? And people start cutting the cord. So then I just started going to like Google has YouTube and Google has YouTube TV. And I think that's attractive. So sometimes I get lost in my own research and in my own thought patterns. But I'm ultimately pretty bullish on Disney as a media company. They've got some warts. I think ESPN's got some bloat. They've got Pixar. They've got 20th Century Studio. They've got 20th Century Animation. They've got Walt Disney Animation. They've got Walt Disney Pictures. They've got Lucasfilm. They've got Marvel Studios. They've got Searchlight Pictures. They've got theme parks, consumer products, kids dressing up as princesses next Halloween streaming theater music public merchandising resorts cruise lines they should have a good year if COVID plays long and what we just came out of where we're starting to feel more comfortable going out in public should bode well for disney whether it goes to a public movie theater or a public amusement park if you include ESPN Plus and Hulu, Disney Plus has 179 million streaming subscribers. That's a lot of people who pay five bucks, 10 bucks, 15 bucks a month. And in the years to come, well, we're going to pay six bucks, 11 months, 16 bucks a month. And then years after that, it's going to be seven bucks, 12 bucks. You get the idea. When you look at the price of a ticket for Disney through the years, going from $1 to get into the park to $111 to get in the park for a day. When you start looking at some of their new park attractions where you can be on a starship cruiser where they, they black out the lights and they make it look like there's a uh, stars outside the window, you know, casinos pump oxygen and into the hotel and like you never see windows. So you don't see what time of day it is. You don't like, Oh, I got to go to bed. You just, you're high from the oxygen. You want to stay up all night long and gamble. Disney's stealing that playbook from casinos and they're, they're creating, you really are on a Starship cruiser for the next 48 hours. Enjoy and spend lots of money. So I'm looking forward to Disney in 2022. And if I'm right, I think it takes out all-time highs. Is it my favorite stock? No. Short-term, do I think it's a trade for one year? Yes. Long-term, do I think it's a, a buy? I do. But you want to hear crazy? You know, I just talked about Meta and the PE of 23 is starting to look reasonable. When you look at the PE of Disney, you go, that's not really all that reasonable. Disney's trading at 30 times earnings. Meta's trading at 23 times earnings. They both make millions and millions and millions of dollars, but one is considerably more expensive than the other. I don't know if that's working for you or working against you. There could be buybacks. There could be dividends. There could be a lot of other things that you want to factor into your investment analysis. But as a reopening play, I am interested in Disney. I think it's going to be an interesting year. So a lot of what I do is I go back and I I, I look at some of my favorite names again. And do I want to buy more? Or rarely do I say I want to sell. I don't buy a lot of companies where I, I don't think there's a scenario where nike can get me into a thought pattern of like oh their shoes are causing dwarfism oh their shoes are causing cancer oh they've been kicked out of china forever i don't it doesn't creep into me can you find me online at rob black show if you need a referral to a financial planner find me at rob black show twitter rob black show youtube rob black show
1: an education first approach to managing your money this is the rob black show